Welcome to the Geo and Jones After Party on Play.it. Here are Andrew Bogish, Mike Baseglia, and Pete Bellotti. Welcome to my house. Play that music too. Turn it out. Show me what you do. Show me now. We don't have to go out. Welcome to the latest edition of the After Party. It's the three of us not named Geo or Jones from the Geo and Jones radio program on CBS Sports Radio, CBSSportsRadio.com, and your radio.com app. Without Mike Biseglia, with Pete Bellotti, I'm Andrew Bogish, a special guest in studio as well as we normally do when one of us is out. But this is the third straight week where we have not been together as a trio. The previous two weeks, there was no Bellotti. No me. Do you care to explain yourself and or apologize? I don't even remember why I was out. Uh, there was some, it was some legitimate good reason. So I don't feel the need to, I need, to, need to explain myself. So there you go. Did you listen to either show and hear anything that you wanted to respond to today? No. Good talk, talking to you, Pete. So let's turn <laughs> to my left, uh, and we fill Mike's seat with, it's not hard to do, uh, but more a, a, a far more interesting, accomplished, successful, handsome, intelligent, um, funny... He's just better than Mike across the board. <laughs> and he looks like a bowler right now. I don't know his actual full title, <laughs> uh, but he is second in command here at CBS Sports Radio, and he is David Middle Initial Marinick. Hello, sir. How are you? AB, how are you? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You have um, Your name has come up a lot when we have thought on the air, off the air, had, had taken suggestions of people that should come in and hang out with us. So it's good that we finally thought to actually ask you and make it happen. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, Pete has uh, asked me a couple times, and I've had stuff come up, so I'm uh, happy that I'm able to do it today. Now, what are you normally doing at noon on a Thursday that would preclude you from spending time with our <laughs> us beauties? Uh, it really depends. I mean, I think one time it was a conference call on, you know, something or other, mm-hmm. uh, some sort of event that may or may not be taking place. And, uh, you know, you go through the whole logistical process of, of things and they, they take forever. And then more often than not, they don't come to fruition, but uh, sometimes they do. And then you have another conference call about it. But, uh, you know, a lot of the times, uh, you know, it could just be something as simple as scheduling or listening to sound or whatever the case may be. Uh, none of those would actually preclude me from coming on. Uh, however, so I'm sure it was a, a conference call of, of, of some kind. Now, before we go into the crux of this whole interview, um, my my question to you is what's on your left hand, I believe. <laughs> yes, there's a, there's a brace left on your left hand. hand and, I can and confirm. You, you're wearing a polo shirt, and you do look like a bowler because you do have like that protective guard. What <laughs> right. happened to your hand? Who did you try to hit? What happened? <laughs> well... You know, I'd like to tell you that I was protecting my wife in uh, some sort of act of chivalry. Yeah, and, uh, let's just go with that. You know, I broke uh, somebody's jaw with one uh, svelte <laughs> shot to the uh, to the kisser. But uh, in truth, what happened was uh, I was engaged in conversation uh, with somebody at the gym, and I was putting a, a plate oh. on the uh, T-bar. Oh. Uh, you know, and this is one of those uh, apparatuses where you, you sort of you right. lean on it, and then you grab the bar, and you... Pull back, so I guess it's, you know, for your back muscles, presumably. Uh, So anyway, I was putting the weight on and uh, sliding uh, the bar, you know, to the ground to add this extra weight, and I I just lost track of where I was, and I kind of dropped it on my hand and, uh, you know, got a little bit of an injury there. Broke the hand? uh, Not the full hand, uh, sort of below the pinky, above the wrist. Uh, There's a a clean break, 
uh, which I'm told is uh, the best kind. So yeah. I just have to keep this uh, little sheath on to make sure that, uh, like that you know word. it heals properly, and uh, you know I'll be on my way. I like that word, sheath. That's but, a very underrated word. It's, and it sounds fancy. It does. <laughs> it sounds like it it's does. something cool. Um, now you also you didn't go to the doctor right away, right? You tried to tough this out, and then realized like it hadn't gotten better enough. Yeah. So it happened out. on. That's right. It happened on Thursday, and you know I was telling everybody in the newsroom because they noticed it was swollen and. Uh, you know, which it was, but when you're a kid, they say, oh, make a fist. And I could without issue. Right. I thought, oh, okay, you know, I'll just ice it every night and uh, it'll be fine and it'll heal up. Uh, and the swelling did go down, but again, the pain was, was still fairly substantial. So I thought, you know what, uh, the time for being macho is over. Let me just go get it checked out. It'll only cost me a copay. Mm. Uh, and so I did. And, and they took some x-rays and said it was a, a clean break. You know, not, not that big of a deal. Just, you know, keep this thing on for a couple weeks and you'll be fine. The, the toughest thing I've ever done uh, was sleeping for a night in high school with a broken arm. Oh, man. I fell playing playing basketball, CYO basketball. I got knocked down on a drive, and I, I guess I put my hand down to brace myself sure. and jam my wrist. So um, I actually took my free throw. I'm sure it didn't go in. Tried to play, dribbled once with my left hand, like just out of reflex. And yeah. I was like, never mind. Um, so I went home, called the doctor and I had just, you know, you have this little kind of bulb thing on the one on the outside of your wrist. Yeah, sure. I had a similar bump on the inside part of it, but like nothing terrible. I could move, you know, I could kind of flex my hand, no crazy swelling or discoloring. So the doctor was just like, there's no point in you coming in, like going to the ER right now and sitting there overnight, just rest and go to our orthopedic referral guy in the morning and they'll take care of it. Right. So I was like, all right. My mom was like, okay. And I actually slept with my arm like kind of like out here away from my body and um that's not really tough but that's how not tough i am <laughs> that, that's the toughest thing i've ever I, that's done more than I would, that's more than what has happened to me yeah you're a baby well i, I uh, the only thing would be i shattered my front tooth on the floor Ugh. right on the right on the right on concrete floor and um you know it set my teeth back about 20 years uh, so now i'm all caught up and all all bridged and bonded together now yeah, the but, teeth. That's that's that, uh, yeah. that's no fun. No, it's not fun. It's, it might it might sound like a wuss injury, but it's not. Right. It, it, it's actually a legitimate injury. I didn't break my tooth once, but I had like my tooth almost like die. Oh, like a uh, it had to be a baby tooth. But like my my you ever play a game like where um you kind of like shake a rope on the ground, like it kind of looks like a slithering snake. And we were young, we were like jumping around mm-hmm. it. And somebody happened to, like, whip it, and, and the you. knot on the end just, like, oh. hit me right in the mouth. Oh. And my one front big tooth, like, uh, like turned gray. Ugh. Sure. It was gross. Yeah, nerve died, and it was probably uh, yeah. root canal central if it was a real, if yeah. it was a I guess it just fell tooth. out, because I don't remember the aftermath of it, but I remember getting, I remember changing colors. Anyway, uh, who cares about that kind of stuff? <laughs> so here at CBS Sports Radio, we have, in this building, uh, there is Eric Spitz. Right. He, he is, he's the boss. Then right. there's you. I don't know your actual, still, I don't know your actual title after three, um, three quarter years. The actual title is executive producer. So, I mean, okay. basically, as you mentioned before, uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, I suppose, uh, it's not in my best interest to say this, but I, I, you know, from a managerial standpoint, you, you technically I'm, I'm Eric's right hand guy and second in command. Uh, you know, but the truth is I consider myself more of a grunt, uh, that does, you know, kind of managerial and administrative and, and other clerical stuff. Uh, that comes with the position uh, that, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to, to earn uh, back when we launched. 
so, you know, again, on a day-to-day basis, uh, you know, I try to assist Eric as best I can with the programming stuff and then do, you know, a bunch of other uh, things that fall under the administrative and clerical and managerial realm. Uh, but executive producer is, is the long and short of the title. But, you know, as I said, I always uh, considered myself somebody that, uh, you know, just kind of rose through the ranks through hard work. But, I- again, I I identify for, far more with uh, the grunts than I do with, uh, you know, the, the, the upper pr- crust, so the to speak. The program directors? <laughs> yeah, with their sweater vests and their scheduling well, grids. And- well, usually always the person always in second in command is usually doing the grunt work. And it's building up to eventually – be first in command. So it's actually, you know, it's a... Yeah, I mean, again, it's sort of one of those things where you, you kind of uh, ride that fine line between, uh, again, presenting yourself as somebody not to be trifled with and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. It's but uh, as, as Erica has pointed out to me on many occasions, uh, I uh, am a little bit soft in that area mm-hmm. when it comes to, uh, you know, again, kind of having a, a firm uh, hold on... on uh, uh, I, I guess uh, ruling with an iron fist, so to right. speak, for lack of a better term. It's just not my my style. I was going to ask you about that if if maybe because you are on the short list of nice guys in this place. Oh, um, thank you, I if, appreciate that. If you ever thought though Agreed, about yep. like flipping a table, punching an Ackerman, just like, send a <laughs> yes. message. We all have thought that, about punching an Ackerman. That, you know, don't mess with me. <laughs> oh, absolutely, on more than one occasion. But you know what? It, and again, this is this is about as cliche as it gets, but. Uh, Despite those challenges and the times that I've wanted to to kind of lose lose myself and, and pull the Jeremy Maguire and, and just flip out, um, I I just it's not it's just not me. Uh, I I don't like confrontation. I don't like uh, you know kind of to to sort of bully people, if you will. And I'm not suggesting anybody does that, but uh, I'd much rather try to. Uh, just kind of uh, extend the olive branch and try to see if we can meet halfway with whatever conflict is taking place and, and get to a resol- uh, ret- resolution, excuse me. That being said, uh, who on this staff have you come the closest to punching over something? Oh, probably Ack. Okay, good. Yeah, That's most definitely. <laughs> All right. Yeah, most definitely. Right. How's that it, not a surprise? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, Ack, uh, you know, I remember Ack uh, from when I was an intern at FAN, uh, 15, 16 years ago, and I always tell the story to Spitz whenever uh, I come to him, which is probably about once every, I, I would say it's quarterly. I would say once every three months, I'll go to him and vent about uh, Rich, uh, you know, for some reason or another. So I always tell him the story about, and I, I wish I could remember the guy's name and I'd give him credit. But uh, what ended up happening is there was an intern uh, in my class who Ack was uh, pestering. And then he had had enough of Ack's shenanigans, so essentially kind of just stood up and said, you know what, Ack, I'm not doing that because it's pointless, it's stupid, and you don't need it. And what ended up happening was Chris Carlin, who's actually was here today co-hosting with Kim Jones at WFAN, stood up and did the Robert De Niro scene from Goodfellas, and he pulled money out of his wallet, <laughs> threw it on the table, and said, oh, there you go, you're all right. You know, kind of when Spider talks back <laughs> right. to Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Yes. And uh, he says, oh, you got, a, you know, you got a lot of balls, kid. You got a lot of balls. And then Ack was, uh, I, I don't know if he'll remember this or not, but he was uh, none too pleased. Oh, Ack remembers it. Probably, probably, <laughs> probably thinking about it right now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, he might have the anniversary on his calendar and, you know, post the kid's uh, face to a dartboard. There's no doubt that Ack knows that kid's name, full name, probably a social, uh, where he is right now, <laughs> right. what.
what Ack was wearing on that day, what day it was, right. what day of the week it was, <laughs> whether what everybody was wearing. Whether the kid tried to shake his hands or not. Oh, you know, that time. Yeah, it was it was really amusing, but I always remember that uh, that story because it just, uh, you know, quietly to myself, I was, you know, I put this kid on a pedestal because I was like, oh, man, I wish I had the... I wish I had the the stones to do that, uh, but it was uh, you know it was it was really quite amusing. I actually feel bad for people who have to intern with Ackerman because there is <laughs> there is that busy work mentality with him with interns or young staffers. Sure, that's just how it is. And he did it with me. He did it with. But you know, I I mean, I would put my head down and do it, but. There would be times where I'd be like, I mean, come on. In my head, I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm sure. sitting here and doing this for no reason because it's not going to be used. Sure. And, and and that's just how he is. And we've seen that on many occasions. Yeah, and the thing with Rich is, you know, for as much as uh, he drives me nuts sometimes, I will say that, uh, you know, from my perspective, he's got a really good heart. And, uh, you know, I think he, his... In so much as he wants his own personal interest to be served, he really does want the product to be as best as it can, uh, as best as it can be. And you know, again, I, I can't fault him for that. Uh, he works hard, and there's there's lots of stuff that that he does that drives all of us nuts. But uh, in general, I think he's a, a good person, and to me, that that counts for a lot. You know, one day we should be good journalists and actually invite Ack on the show to have a platform to respond to the <laughs> right. number of things that come up about him that he's not here to respond to in the moment. But why would we do that? It's much more fun to just sit here and taunt him. Once again, <laughs> you're listening to the Geo and Jones after party. Good reset. <laughs> but that, that's my answer to that. <laughs> All right. So we've got <laughs> FAN internship. And now this job today. All I know in between there is you working on Yankee broadcast. Sure. So what did what am also am I missing, and what did you do for the Yankee Radio Network? Sure. So prior to uh, my whole career got started as kind of uh, you know it's funny they always say guys in their forties or around forty have a midlife crisis. I guess I had the sort of whatever the twenty year old version of that uh, was in college because uh, at the time I was at Holy Cross and uh, you know having a ball, but I didn't really. You know, graduation, I wouldn't say was looming, but it was on the horizon, and I had no idea what I wanted to do with myself. I wasn't really getting anything done at school, per se. Um, so I decided to take a year off and, uh, you know, kind of figure out what I really wanted to pursue as a career. I did some office jobs and temp work and stuff like that, and, you know, I hated it. I just hated it. And I realized, like, whatever I can do to not be uh, stuck in a cubicle, <laughs> which oddly enough is where I am, so to speak. But you, you know what I mean? Uh, figuratively speaking right, right. In, in the cubicle, Nine crunching, to five, right, crunching numbers, job, doing yeah. that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, another sort of CBS connection, I was, uh, you know, driving, uh, around and I was on Ridgedale Avenue in Morristown, New Jersey, when I saw a, you know, prize van similar to any other radio outlet for WDHA 105.5, which is a legendary station out in uh, my neck of the woods in New Jersey. And uh, Lenny Block, uh, yes. who used to, uh, you know, work for, for um, CBS FM. I think he's up at Radio Woodstock now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but anyway, Lenny Block was, I think, the PD at the time, and he was uh, driving the prize van. So I, I just pulled over and I talked to him about, you know, getting into radio and stuff like that. And uh, from there, we struck up a conversation and uh, I enlisted and, well, I applied to get into the communications program at William Patterson uh, which is a local state school in Jersey. I did that, graduated, and uh, prior to that, I had this internship at WDHA, which was, you know, your your sort of standard, uh, you know, work in the promotions department type thing. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't necessarily for what I'm doing now, but that's how I got my foot in the door. Uh, and then I had an internship uh, at FAN, 
worked uh, part-time for fan for a while, but didn't get a lot of hours. Um, so I ended up looking in all places, uh, the classified ads in the newspaper, and there was a place called Talk America, uh, which was broadcasting out of the IDT building in Newark, New Jersey. Hmm. Now, Talk America is now defunct, and it was sort of one of those radio networks uh, where hosts who had once earned ratings went in the twilight of their careers to die. So, again, there were guys like uh, Art Bell, uh, Bruce Williams, Barry Farber. Uh, you know, so any old-time radio geeks might be able to tell you something or two about these guys. But, uh, again, they were in the twilight of their careers, and they broadcast to mid-markets. So there was a gentleman hiring by the name of Rich Wood, who I think was the operations director at WOR for a number of years. And I told him, you know, what I was doing, what I wanted to do, and... Uh, he hired me, and I ended up uh, producing shows uh, on weekend overnights uh, for a couple years, and then I earned more hours um, at that particular place. And like I said, even though the operation wasn't uh, really uh, as good as it could have been, I learned a lot about uh, how a network operates and uh, you know, just how to deal with affiliate stations, how to deal with automation, some technical stuff along the way, which has served me really well. Uh, because, you know, as, as you guys can attest to with the, the sort of uh, cutbacks that the industry has been uh, forced to undertake, uh, engineering staffs are, are not what they once were. So There's a technical thing every day. Yeah, so learning all that stuff uh, has really proved beneficial to me. But also, again, just uh, about certain, you know, kind of radio concepts and things of that nature. So uh, I did that for about three years, and then my boss there uh, at the time – trying to think – at the time the station, uh, excuse me, the network was about to go under, my boss was a guy named Ivan Lee, who is now the assistant program director yes. to Ben Meverack over at 1010 Wins. Ben. So Ivan actually went over to WCBS 880 um, and got the operations manager job. And when he left that job, um, excuse me, well, he was still working there, he asked me about uh, being a production assistant for, for Yankees baseball. So that was in 2005. <laughs> I did that. Uh, for one year, then Ivan left, and uh, uh, Tim Scheld, who's now the program director at 880, and, and Chris Quimby, uh, who was the program director at the time, uh, while Tim was the news director, liked me enough as the production assistant that I did uh, earn the operations manager job at 880, which part of uh, of which was obviously producing Yankees baseball. So that's sort of how I got there. It's a long road. Yeah, and again, like I've been very fortunate enough to, to network and uh, to, to meet some people that uh, were impressed enough with my work that I, I climbed the ladder a little bit. And, uh, you know, again, it's been, uh, it's been a really fun ride. So I'm, I'm very happy with uh, what we're doing here. Uh, obviously, I think uh, we've still got a ways to go and can do better. Uh, but that's just the nature with, with you know, any sort, of, uh, any sort of business. You're always trying to do better. But to... Get to your original question, which was about 15 minutes ago by my count, Andrew. Uh, what I did for, for Yankees baseball was was mostly, um, again, you have to compile all the stuff that's sold from the salespeople. And again, not to knock salespeople, but uh, 90% of them don't know what they're selling. Right. So again, it really behooves you to kind of figure out what it is that they sold. The fourth fastball of the inning is brought to you by. Right. So again, the, the sort of general uh, cliche line is, you know, you guys promise, we deliver. So sales promises something, and uh, the programming and production department makes sure it gets done. 
Uh, so, the, you know, the billboards of all the name and claims for the clients, the live hits, the, all that sort of stuff, uh, you know, where and when to place it. And again, just all kinds of other technical details dealing with the affiliates and the automation, uh, which was a big pain in the rear end because, um, you know, a lot of the times when you'd have rain delays, uh, the team, the Yankees in particular, uh, obviously go through television first and then sort of get around to radio in terms of telling you when you're going to get back. So a lot of these stations, you have to, you know, text message like 50 people. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you have to do it in groups of six or seven because, you know, 50 texts won't go through. Yeah. You know, just let them know when you're going to come back and how you're going to reset the automation and stuff like that. And then obviously uh, the other part of it is training your own board ops to run at the flagship uh, and your tape ops uh, to, you know, kind of give them the protocol and let them know how you want everything to run. Uh, and then dealing with the traffic department, which was always, which was always my favorite, because I was really, really adamant that they give as much information as they can in these systems. So, for example, as you pointed out, Andrew, they'll sell anything, anything yeah. and everything. So, if you want the fourth fastball in the fourth inning, uh, you know, again, you can sell it. One of the uh, one of the sponsorships I remember was called the Verizon Four One One. So it was a contest where if the you get to the fourth inning, and if the first batter hits a single, so fourth inning, first batter, single, four one one. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So, That's in awesome. addition to the live hit, it, once you went to the break in the in the uh, middle of the inning, you had to run this particular spot if, in fact, the contest was won. So, I had the salesperson make sure they input it into the system, fixed mid fourth. Okay, mm-hmm. and you get the traffic log for the game. Every single day, end of the eighth inning, middle of the ninth <laughs> inning, you know, middle of the first inning, never where it was supposed to be. Oh, that's, that's uh, uh, so back again, good, it's good memories. Absolutely. So that's, you know, as you guys know in the business, what yes. they call, you know, continuity and stuff like that. And then you've got six car co- uh, commercials in a row. Uh, and every spring you've got the, uh, the lawn seed wars between Pennington and Scott's. Uh, you know, so again, stuff like that, it, it, again, it just makes for a better broadcast, I think, when it's all separated and, you know, you give everybody a little bit of love and you don't jumble all that stuff together. And again, it's sort of uh, nitpicky for sure, but I think it makes the product sound better. So again, all those things put together was sort of uh, what I did for the Yankees, um, you know, trying to make John and Susan happy too, which, you know, by some uh, miracle I was I was able to... <laughs> you know, uh, at least somewhat accomplished. So they, uh, you know, I developed a very good relationship with them. And then obviously uh, the other part of the gig was just uh, kind of running the newsroom, uh, similar to, to what I'm doing now for 880, which is a, just a tremendous station, really quality station. Uh, so I was able to do that for, uh, I think it was seven, eight years, I guess from 2006 to 2012. And then obviously when uh, the company announced that they were going to launch CBS Sports Radio, I, I put in for the uh, EP gig and you know, interviewed with Eric and a couple other people and was, uh, you know, fortunate enough to, to be chosen. I wanted to ask you about, about John Sterling. Sure. Because one of the questions that plagues me, entertains me, is trying to visualize him, how he comes up with his home run calls. Like, I really want him to be sitting at a big mahogany desk with one of those, like, kind of green glass, like, overhanging lamps. And he's got a little glass Like of, a pipe yeah, and, like, a, a glass a pipe, of scotch. Yeah, a glass of scotch. And he's just got a yellow legal pad in front of him. He's like, Starlin, starfish. And he's like <laughs> crumpling paper and throwing it over his shoulder. And getting right. increasingly more mad at himself. Like it's a starlight, star bright. And then, and then just like this eureka moment. Sure. And I mean, I just mesmerized by the man. I only hope that 
the process is as epic as I think it is. You know, on, on, I don't want to burst your bubble, AB, oh. because I, I don't think it's as involved as that. I think there's a lot more sort of uh, spontaneity and serendipity involved in it, yeah. and it just sort of comes to him. Uh, you know, John is one of those rare breed of cat who, you know, I always told people uh, when they asked me about it, you know, how how is he in person? His on-air persona is identical to how he is in real life. I mean, he's a complete space cadet. Uh, he's very self-effacing. Uh, sure, he does have an ego, but I mean, who wouldn't if you've been calling Yankee games for a quarter century? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a right to. Yeah, for sure. But he's he does have an S, like a Superman logo necklace, does he not? <laughs> you know, something I never noticed that. I feel like I've heard that story. Superman necklace. He has like a, you know he has the uh, the Superman the S, S for Sterling. I'm assuming in his mind. Now, sure. The, now the real. Merchandise you want is Bizarro Superman. You want the backwards <laughs> That's the real merchandise. Yes. Yeah, but John, he's he's a wonderful man. He really is. He's got a very generous spirit. Uh, you know, but he's uh, as goofy as they come. I mean, he really is uh, just kind of how you hear him on the air. That's how he is in real life. He he kind of has this uh, look about him that he has no idea what's going on. Uh, you know, he just sort of wanders all over the place. He he can fly off the handle at a moment's notice, and then thirty seconds later, it's like it never happened. Uh, you know, he's he's a great guy, and he's uh, as you said, Andrew, he's very entertaining. And um, you know, I was really fortunate to to get to know him and get to work with him. I'll tell you guys one quick story about him. Uh, you know that I think you'll you'll enjoy. We were out to dinner one night, and um, it was a cash only place, which which John didn't know. <laughs> and again, John is sort of one of those guys that's dinner, a, a, a remnant from uh, you know years gone by, and he didn't have any credit cards with him at all. So he whips out this sort of gangster's wad of you know hundreds and fifties, <laughs> and again they didn't accept any. It wasn't a really fancy place, but it was still a cash only place, and they Ooh. said you know no bills bigger than twenty. So he sees the the roll of hundreds, and you know he says to me, uh, "David, where am I going to find a twenty in here?" <laughs> and uh, what are the other <laughs> the other? Uh, <laughs> so he would say that. Oh, it was classic. You know, it was classic. And, and to be honest with you, I don't. It's just a, it's a strange thing because you hear that story and you think to yourself, "My God, like you know he he's being just so." Uh, you know, grandiose and and uh, about his own, you know, sort of wealth or status. Yeah. But again, I think to be perfectly honest with you, it was more like it was an honest. Boy, question. this is really annoying. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't find a twenty in, in this roll of fifties uh, and 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 hundreds. <laughs> oh, he's the best. Yeah, he oh, is. Goodness. One more quick story about John that you guys will love is. Uh, you know, again, some sometimes the copy uh, <laughs> contains words that he doesn't know. <laughs> so one of the times it was uh, for a new Wendy's coffee, and, uh, you know, John reads the live spot, and he says, you know, stop by Wendy's uh, between, you know, X and Y hours uh, for freshly brewed coffee made, you know, with uh, the, the finest quality oh, uh, Arabica beans. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he turns around, and he kind of gives me a thumbs up, and I said, uh, you, know, John, you know, John, it's, it's Arabica. <laughs> and he kind of just stares at me and smiles, and he says, <laughs> well, David, how would I know? And, uh, you know, in that inimitable style of his, and he just kind of laughed about it, and he turned to the mirror to his left of him uh, and kind of laughed uh, at the imaginary person who he talks to, uh, you know, when he gets angry. And, uh, <laughs> oh, boy. You know, but I, I told him, I said, John, it's, it's Arabica, and, you know, he got a kick out of it and was really, really angry for about 30 seconds, and then uh, he got over it. <laughs> I always remember that about him, too. So, oh so that job involved you being at the stadium for home games? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. not every single one, but okay. I, I would, again, it was such a fun gig. Right, um, why not? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you get to go to ball games for free, and, you know, you had uh, a chance to, I would like to go out on the field and watch BP. No, that's always my favorite thing to do when I have a pass. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I never really went into the clubhouse. Uh, you know, again, it, it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes people will ask uh, myself, and I'm sure you guys get the same thing in this business about, you know, the athletes that you know, but I never, I never really was into that part of it. I always liked the behind the scenes, you know, stuff and I always wanted to be as professional as I could in terms of doing the job. So my job didn't require me to go ask any athlete questions or try to get to know them. So you know, why would I go hang out in the right. clubhouse? Now having said that, I didn't really necessarily have to go watch BP either. Uh so I know it sounds uh, slightly hypocritical, but uh, you know, you can stay out of the way on the field and just you yeah, know kind of casually you're not BP. bothering anybody exactly, just right. sort of casually watching BP, which I always love to do. Yeah, still the one of the coolest things I've gotten to do through this job was uh standing on the uh, at City Field for All-Star Game BP. Just the amount of people. Yeah. And those guys, you know, all in one place just having fun, crushing baseballs. That was a very, very cool experience. Yeah, and again, that's the part. Uh, again, and no other to, sport has that either. For There's sure. No, you know, the hockey no. warm up doesn't really count. We'll get that a Pro Bowl. No, I mean, we'll get it anything. I mean, you can walk on a on, a, on an NFL field like around the perimeter and be out there. And I've and I've done that. And like, it's cool for like once I think to see it just like to gain perspective of like how big guys are, or how high a punt goes, or whatever. But after, like, I'm okay, but. BP never gets old. No, I agree with you. It's, it, it always was very special to me, too. I really, really enjoyed it. And like you said, uh, it, it's kind of weird because you're you know, rubbing shoulders, for lack of a better term, with these guys that you see on television. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, that all-star experience, I'm sure, was amazing because, uh, you know, you see the best of the best and, you know, from every market around the country. And it's... Uh, kind of a surreal thing it's always uh, you always get that sort of goosebump type feeling when you're out there I, I totally agree with you i think it's a great thing much like you do here you get that goosebump feeling whenever yes. ackerman walks in <laughs> right. and says something's wrong yeah. or, or mm-hmm. something's really not wrong you know um bring us to here bring us to this place sure um what your what your take of the place was when you started mm-hmm. and then now na- what it is now and um things along the way that you yeah, I mean, again, I think um, with any sort of new venture, you have this, uh, you know, obviously you have this excitement and anticipation about getting it going. Uh, and then as, you know, the weeks and months and even years now, as we're talking, uh, you know, over three and a half years into it, as we're getting ready for our fourth football season, I can't believe it. Um, you know, again, it, it becomes a job. Sometimes things become routine and rote and old hat, whatever you want to say. Uh, and again, you encounter your share of frustrations along the way. Uh, but at the same time, you we all have jobs to do, and we try to do the best we can. And uh, despite the limitations that, that we face, uh, not only here but in our, our industry, uh, I think, you know, again, we could be digging ditches. I mean, the, the long and short of it is we get to talk about sports for a living. Right. Um, and it's funny, one of the things I always also uh, I find fascinating about our industry, too, is and I know, Andrew, you've had this conversation. Uh, oddly enough, I always remember you having it with Kincaid more than anybody else uh, about, uh, you know, the sort of borderline between uh, journalist and uh, entertainer. Uh, so, again, I think there's there's a, a time and place for, for entertainment and there's a time and place for journalism. And obviously, you know, the hosts have, I would say, more of a job to entertain, where someone like you, Andrew, has more of a job to inform uh, again, even though your case is a little bit different because you're kind of straddle those those two those two occupations, so to speak. Um, so, so I think it's it's one of those things where I, I would really like to 
I don't know. A- again, it's probably wishful thinking. I would really like to to see us, um, you know, in the industry as a whole, get back to more of that that information. But you know, the fact of the matter is, is that people who tune in the radio they want to be in, they want to be entertained, and that's uh, what we're in the business of doing. Uh, but we do we still do have a responsibility, I think, to uh, you know keep people informed with with accurate information. So uh, that part to me has always been the most fun uh, when there's breaking news. Uh, you know, to get it right, to deliver it to yeah. the people accurately, and to to feel like at the end of the day, you've done something valuable for your audience. Now, yeah. I, I, I didn't mean to drop. Now, accurately, I think that's a big thing. I think, I think, I've I felt that we've shifted more to the entertainment side than the news side, but I feel news side's still there. But accurately, I feel like there's been you know across the entire business, we've had a problem with. Being accurate, we want to get it in on time, we want to get it in fast, 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 which is part of it. Sure. But I think you need to get it in accurately. I feel like we don't do that as much in the, as a business, as a whole, as much as we used to. Yeah, I mean, again, there's no way I can dispute that fact. Um, and, you know, I think the sad the sad reality of that is, is the, uh, the sort of expectation and the responsibility uh, that society would hold to organizations such as you know ourselves, not necessarily CBS Sports Radio, but but a news uh, outlet, uh, just isn't there anymore. Um, again, the appetite for 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 information, whether it's accurate or not, uh, is so demanding, and you have this you know just gigantic vacuum that needs to be filled. So you just right. stuff as much stuff as you can in there, uh, as you said, Pete. You know, right away, and then you worry about the facts later. Uh, now that's certainly how I, I don't think we operate that way. No, uh, but a lot of places do, and uh, you know, industry wide, I think it is definitely a problem. I, I mean, I think it's uh, you know, I think it's something that really, really needs to be uh, you know focused on. But again, the the sad reality of it is, is that it probably won't be. Um, you know, I don't think you, you really go backwards. You know, you just kind of proceed forward the best way you can. Uh, so again, it's, uh, something that it's definitely one of those challenges that we face as a, as an industry as a whole, for sure. So clearly, you know, a lot about the industry. So, so tell me, um, radio dies in what, 2019, 2021, <laughs> when, you, you know, what, I've, I've had that conversation a lot with my wife, oh. you know, why? Because, uh, she works in publishing. So uh, I always, you know, tell oh, her like, what, what a pair we make, you know, the, the, the two dinosaurs of, uh, sort of disseminating information is, is what we've chosen to make our careers in. But, um, you know what, Andrew, I, I, I don't think it's going to die, uh, and I think we'll all be okay, uh, you know, for, for, for two reasons. Uh, one, uh, and this is just by happenstance, I think, uh, for, for all of us, and we're just sort of, you know, just have dumb luck, is that we're in New York. Right. Uh, so, again, guys who have cut their teeth and have experience in New York, I think, are always going to find a place because, um, you know, there's going to be a need for information, traffic, weather, sports, Entertainment, music, all that stuff. There's just uh, there's just too many people in this city, and too many ways to uh, to deliver content to people. That I, I think, you know, by the time guys our age are ready to retire, uh, will will the the idea of a transistor and uh, putting you know information out on the airways, I think, will still exist. Yeah, well, look at look at the uh, look at Hurricane Sandy in, in New York. You need you need to have something there in case. You can't hear satellite radio. You can't see the TV. Sure. And and radio is gonna radio is gonna always be there. It may be adjusted in a different way, but it'll always be there. Yeah, I mean, again, that public interest part of it, I think, as you mentioned, is obviously a saving grace. Uh, you know, I think there's there's many different forms of uh, you know disseminating information that that don't necessarily uh, 
you know, you can't really sell, so to speak. But uh, again, if they serve the public interest, they'll they'll be around, and uh, you know, it's not going to be free of charge either. Right. Uh, so people can still make a living that way. You know, again, the other part of it too, Andrew, is that I think, uh, you know, with all this stuff that has come uh, uh, through the fold in the last you know decade or so, uh, even though it's new and it's different, uh, at the end of the day, I think it's all integrated. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I always tell, uh, you know, prospective interns or, or entry level employees and stuff like that, uh, is that, yeah, we are CBS sports radio, but, uh, I, I think, you know, if we've done our job correctly, people will not, uh, associate that with just, you know, quote unquote, uh, transistors and, right. and you know, transmitted, uh, airwaves. They'll associate it with our website you know, uh, the hosts, uh, on podcasts. yeah, the hosts, <laughs> you know, that do podcasts. Exactly. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Pharrell, for example, uh, his crew is, is a great example of, uh, you know, doing stuff on, um, on Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and Periscope and all those different outlets. Uh, and again, at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you take a look at, you know, Gottlieb show or, or Boomer and Carton on fan, they're, they're radio programs, but mm-hmm. they get disseminated and simulcast on television. But, uh, at the end of the day, there's still radio programs, and those other outlets are adhering to, you know, the radio format. So I think all that stuff will, gets integrated uh, in one way or another. And uh, as a result, if we can kind of just create interesting content and, uh, you know, kind of keep an audience, we'll be okay. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just expanding it. It's just adding to it, like you said, adding to it and just having it all grow. And Look, I, I think uh, we're heading toward an exciting time because I think there's going to be there's a lot of still uncertainty in the air, and I, th- I think that's very very good for the business as a whole. When when things can move around a little bit, you know, maybe not necessarily for us in terms of stress, but when things move around and, and things change in the business, it's, it's an exciting time. Yeah, I mean, again, as Andrew said, I, I, I the the idea that radio could go away completely and entirely. I, Again, even though I, I like not to believe it, I can't. We can't ignore it. I think it is. It is something that we do need to be concerned about, and as a result, um, you know, necessity becomes uh, the mother of invention, as as the old saying goes. <clears throat> so we have to adapt. We have to find ways to to keep our audience, and you know, at the at, you know, if we can't build it, at the very least, you know, keep the people that we have and and maintain you know relevancy. Uh, and if we don't, then, you know, we will become extinct, but, uh, that aspect of it does make things exciting. You know, you really got to stay on top of, of all the new media and, uh, how people are getting information, what they want to listen to, all that sort of good stuff. So you can, again, deliver a sellable product to your audience. All right, David, it's time for you to go back to your office uh, and answer all of our annoying questions about vacation time and <laughs> yes, uh, stuff absolutely. like that. So uh, this was fun. Thanks so much for finally uh, being able to walk down the hallway and hang out with us. We really appreciate oh, it. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sorry I talked your guys' ear off. Uh, no, again, it, it was a, a rare opportunity for me to uh, you know tell people about myself. Uh, you got out of the you know. cubicle. Yeah, so again, it was a lot of fun. I, got, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. you. Of course. The only thing you didn't do that you should apologize for is since you're being Mike Besegla today, you were supposed to sneak in a curse word and then giggle. <laughs> like a six-year-old who just said a curse word. You know, I will say for as much as I, I curse in real life, that's uh, one of those uh, <laughs> things that has been sort of, uh, you know, kind of driven from my uh, yeah. driven from my my persona in terms of uh, getting behind a microphone. Uh, just just never ever swear when there's an open mic. Very smart. I'm same way. <laughs> all right. As always, uh, we direct you to all previous editions of the Geo and Jones After Party right down below this one, wherever you're finding us on iTunes, play that it wherever, uh, and please check out the full radio show Geo and Jones Monday through Friday, six to nine a.m. Eastern. Now featuring Republican Pete. 
All again, Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Radio, cbssportsradio.com, and the radio.com app. For Dave, for Mike, for Pete, I'm Andrew. We'll see you next week at the after party.